This week's seeing Cork City under new ownership. While Cork City fans may very well be happy with securing Premier Division status this season, Dermot Usher has bigger plans for the years ahead. The fella in the green and my short. The fella in the green and my short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where the President's Cup will give us a little window into what we might see from the Premier Division's Big Two. Cork City have a new owner with new ideas and Phase 1 of Sligo Rover Stadium has been given the green light. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, before we start, you're a Pats fan. <laughs> How has pre-season been going? Because I see Jordan Adiemo have a little bit of fun in Inchicore last week. You dummy dirty here, didn't you? This wasn't on the road. What an order I sent on earlier, boy. Uh, yeah, no, in fairness to Jordan, he did. Uh, him and his Wexford sides be St. Pat's 3 1 in the fourth round of the, uh, no, the, the goals, the, the Nathan, the, Senior Cup. Them goals he scored were, were quality, weren't they? I think it did well this season. I, again, we're going to talk about previews and predictions maybe next week, closer to the start dates. Uh, he'll be up there for the fourth division. Uh, top goal scorer, serious, serious striker, serious get for Wexford. And he showed his bit of quality, didn't he? Uh, during the night in Richmond Park. Look, so I'm just going to take the excuses out of my pocket. Will I just do it nice and early? Will I? <laughs> I I'll put them cards on the table. It was uh, in that game against Wexford. It was a uh, majority under 19 St. Pat's team. Bar Chris Forrester, who There's you know, the first one, only one of the better flip midfielders <laughs> in the league, <laughs> going off. But yeah, look, just um, it's it's been a weird one for Pat's team, hasn't it? In the in the off season, you know, we we talk about. Keeping the likes of Joe Redmond and Sam Cortes, Chris Forrester, as I mentioned, still in uh, in Inchicore, but missing out with the likes of Barry Cotter, who's now gone to Barnsley. Um, Adam O'Reilly, who unfortunately for us is back in the League of Ireland with Derry City. Yeah, who had two excellent loan spells at St Pat's last year. I think that's going to merge a lot of like I I I would say class as a disappointment off season, even though we've done good business in terms of bringing Jake Mulraney and Noah Lewis, big Dutch centre half, looks like he could. Uh, he could do a job, so yeah, it's definitely the knock. While it's we're going to talk about Derry City and Shamrock Rovers, aren't we? In the Presidents Cup, it's it's going to be a two horse race for the league title. I think the Pats can, you know, fourth, maybe even fifth. I think that'll be us this season. Yeah, it's hard to know with them because, like that, yeah. that result was obviously a very poor result for them. They go and beat Sligo in the preseason. It's just hard to know what you're going to get with St. Pats this year, and it's a little bit like that the last couple of years, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I know it's it, pre-season's hard to go off as well, isn't it? Um, we've, we've seen sides dominate in pre-season and then come to a league form, they don't do it at all. But yeah, it, it's going to be a tough one. You're going to need, like I said, your Mulraney's and Lewis's who's coming in. I know, well, Jake Mulraney's a local lad, but he's coming in uh, outside of the League of Ireland. You're going to need them to, to gel quickly. And even though there's a good squad of players there, I'd also question the squad depth. That's at Richmond Park. And again, that's a question I brought up probably three out of the past couple of seasons, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting one. I'm not worried about them in terms of, you know, scrapping for relegation, but... I think they're going to have to really do well to, to sneak into that top position this season. Yeah, it'll come down to injuries like it did last year and, and, and probably the year before as well. Uh, if Whatever injuries they have, if they can keep them away, they'll probably have a good start in 11, uh, as, as has been before. Now, 
a club that has big ambitions and have got promoted to the Premier Division are Cork City and they're under new ownership and there's new ideas. There certainly is, Roy. Um, we talked about them Usher in our last season at the big kick-off League of Ireland show when this news broke. But what we know is, as of Friday, the 3rd of February, Irish businessman Dermot Usher now officially is the owner of Cork City. This, of course, comes from um, an 84% of the Forest members who are the uh, the fan-owned uh, group that used to own Cork City. They voted in favour of the Porsches back in December. Exciting times, I'd imagine, if you're a Cork City fan. Um I think they could surprise people. I think it could be a little bit of a surprise package this year. A lot of people are looking at them as just survive, just stay in the league. I think they'd be a little bit more comfortable than that mid-table. I think you'd be looking at UCD, your UCDs, your Drotters, maybe even a Sligo Rovers rather than Cork City. Um, but yeah, definitely exciting times and definitely a man with big ideas. I don't know if you want to move on to it straight away, mate. I was, we were talking off here about the conversation that this port is probably brings up in terms of the League of Ireland. Yeah, and bring it up them. because it's to do with Sligo Rovers as well and and, and their, uh, how the club is run there. So we can mix and match. Yeah, fire away. Yeah, yeah we'll just uh, we'll free, free ball it a little bit here this week. Why not? Something different. And that's the, uh, the fan ownership model uh, within the League of Ireland. Is it dying out? Is, is the fan ownership model dying out? Like, you, you look at the Premier Division here now in 2023, what we have, uh, Sligo Rovers, uh, Drotter and Bohemians are the only clubs that are um, ran uh, by members. Do we romanticise it a little bit too, you know? Like, while it's it's, it's nice to have fans as the custodians of the club, um, and while we have seen successful spells throughout, of these clubs throughout the years, you know, we only have to look at Bohemians even, in their recent history going on good uh, Europa Conference League runs, getting to an FA Cup final back in uh, 2021, and even longevity of the likes of Bowers, you know, they're 132 years uh, in existence, and even Sligo Rovers, they're not too far off their, uh, their centenary year coming up uh, in the next seven years or so mm. what what do you think about it is, is like probably to answer my own question I would think that it's, it's, there's only so far you can go within modern day League of Ireland under this uh, the, the constrictions of a fan ownership and a club being run majority by volunteers especially when you look at you know the scant prize money and the broadcasting deals that we have here I think what it is Nathan though when you look at the league now and you have money coming in as, as we said already last week with Galway with Derry you know Shamrock Rovers have, have, have gained their own uh, financial securement that it's hard to compete with that because your fan your fan base isn't big enough to be able to compete with that kind of money that's in the league. So now everyone has to kind of, if they want to compete, they're gonna have to look at getting someone in, a businessman who maybe has a little bit of money, but also has that know how of uh, making money from money. And I think that's what Dermot Usher is going to have to do. Whether he will do it or not, only time will tell. But it's going to be very interesting to see. He's been talking about different things, about, you know, the experience of match night and all that sort of stuff. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, I think there will be fan-owned clubs. But I think in this current environment where things are starting to build and, you know, status of these clubs are starting to build, as we said, full-time and what have you. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to compete. I think all I have to do, mate, is look at the top four clubs uh, in the 2022 season. You know, Shamrock Rovers, Derry City, St. Pat's and Dundalk. 
um, all of prior investors and all now are playing European football in 2023. And European football ultimately is that's your bread and butter for making money within the League of Ireland. If you want to be sustainable, that's how you do it. Because as you said, it's not by prize money. And it's certainly not by broadcasting deals and things like that. European money and the yard transfer fee. And you have to be lucky with that as well. With a, with a lucrative transfer fee from abroad. That's how you're going to survive within the league. As you said, even you have to look down to the fourth division. Waterford, Galway and Bray Wanderers all have wealthy businessmen. Uh, business business people or private investors and things like that backing them. And you'd imagine that two out of three, Waterford and Galway are definitely going to be fighting for promotion this year. So if they were to come up uh, into the, the Premier Division, all of a sudden you have, you know, your Slug of Rovers, your Bows and your Drottas are competing with another full-time structured side with a, a wealthy financial backer. I just think it's... And why we have seen in the past, I mean, you are always very on the fence a little bit when we see uh, these wealthy owners come into clubs because it, it can end in disaster too. They're not the be-all and end-all, but I think we should get away from this, uh, the, the view of it selling your soul and, you know, it's, it's the sugar, sugar daddy era. But at the end of the day, this era is picking up speed and it's picking up serious momentum. And it's also... It's it's not a bad thing if you look at it in a way that it's professionalising clubs too, you know. It, it's allowing clubs to hand out lengthy, lucrative contracts to players. They're not just surviving off scraps on one-year deals yeah. and not knowing where they stand at the end of a season. And it also brings uh, sustainable success to clubs uh, too. And yeah, I, I just think it's it's definitely a, a, a movement that's, that's or it's definitely a model, an ownership model that's picking up serious traction uh, here and here. I'm... The I'm definite that they didn't just hand the club over to Dermot Usher no without way. thinking about it. You know, they sat down, they talked about it, they analysed who he is, what he is, what he's about, how he runs his business. Every little aspect of him, uh, you know, of his lifetime would have been analysed. So they're not giving this club away, definitely down in Cork, to someone outside of Cork, just at a whim. So I would be positive for what this entails. There's a little bit of fighting to do, though, because the Premier Division is becoming a, a competitive, uh, even more so competitive division. And quite possibly could become a two-tier league, as in uh, those who have and, and, and those who have not in the Premier Division. And that's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, definitely. I think if you look at the league, um, and again, without getting too much into prediction and stuff like that, if you look at the league for uh, 2023, you could probably break them up into three mini-leagues. Like I said, the two sides that are going to be um, fighting for the title. Then you probably have the rest in there, you know, your, yeah, your Dundalk, your Pats, you know what, maybe even your Shelbourne. So I think Shelbourne have done excellent recruitment in this in this off-season. Then you'll have, you know, even your bows, you stick your bows in there too. I think they'll be comfortable this year. And then uh, below that, you, you'll have your, um, you know, your relegation for it. And I know that's the structure of a league every year, but I think it's going to be much more streamlined this year than ever because it's really going to be a two-horse race for, for the title. And but I can see rest, certain things. Yeah, I can see certain things developing over time where you might see it's, it, it normally chops and changes. But if the likes of Derry City and Shamrock Rovers and whoever has that bit of money there, you know, the Galways and the Waterfords might come up and start and take those yeah. positions. That you might see that top half of the division stabilise uh, for a number of years because of the money that might be behind them. So, yeah, fan-run clubs would be there, but I'm not sure that it's the way in our country. It might be all right in Germany where you have big populations around countries, but or around clubs, but maybe not here in this country. Um, so what what do we think of Cork City? 
what do we think of Cork City and the promises he's starting to make? Um, I think we'll have to see them go into action, wouldn't we? When he talks about bringing in marketing executives and directors of football uh, and things like that. But I just said, like, like this isn't something that would have been thrown together. It, it's uh, they've been looking at it grow more limited coming in and buying the club before Dima Usher was even in the picture. So it, it's something that has been in place for a, a long time now, um, getting the structure together within the club. So, yeah, I, I, I think we will see it in action uh, when we were, you know, we listened to the likes of Bray Wanderers chairman Tony Richardson winning now pretty much a glorified PR statement about promises they're going to be doing for this year. Mm-hmm. I think you trust the likes of Dermot Usher much more coming into a new club. And as you said, big emphasis on the the, uh, the match night experience, which is not something you hear really be talked about much, is it? When no. new owners come in, it's a lot. And rightfully so, it's about the structure of a club and the facilities and things like that. So, yeah, while it's definitely... Uh, um, We'll, we'll wait and see a model because it always has to be that way too. It's easy to talk and it's easy to throw in them buzzwords like, you know, director of football, the market executives and things like that. Yeah, you'd imagine that you will go in and make a decent financial push and make them a sustainable club in the Premier Division because that's what you need to be. Cork City has an absolutely massive um, massive uh, territory to walk around and massive amounts of population to uh, attract to Tornos course. And in fairness, it's a well-supported club. It's not one of the clubs that, you know, wavers and, and, and dips off. There's always been uh, excellent numbers coming through the Tornos side, that Tornos course. So if you can bring in that financial injection, which, as, as I said, will bring in lucrative contracts, better players, it, it definitely looks like it's going to be an exciting time and a lengthy stay, you'd imagine, hopefully for Cork City fans in yeah, the Premier I can see that happening Nathan I can really see that happening I can see Cork staying in the Premier Edition for not just staying in it maybe this year this is about you know cementing their place in the division but after that you may see a, a more competitive Cork City okay well let's talk about Sligo because we, we, we dipped into Sligo slightly there and they have been given the green light with their master plan of a stadium yeah, still can't stop thinking about bleeding away. This is anytime come up. Uh, so yeah, as you said, green light for this master plan phase one has been given. Uh, it's been approved to be given approval from Sligo County Council for construction on two new stands, which will be in the showgrounds up to uh, a six thousand seat plus capacity. As you said, step one of that master plan, which will we'll see this, the, the the famous ground in Sligo go up to a UEFA Category 3, which will allow them to host uh, European games in the latter qualif- qualification round stages. Very important, something that they, um, they would have been unable to do uh, since then. So what we're going to see in this this, uh, this latest section of this plan is there will be a, a new 1,370-seater uh, stand gone in. There will also be uh, that will be in. Have you ever been to the showgrounds, Roy? I'm sure no, you know. Haven't the been there now. Main concourse of the ground. When you walk in, there'll be a new uh, 1,370 seater stand gone in there. There'll be a new uh, just over 2,000 seater stand gone into where the away fans are at the moment in the uh, the Michael Jinx Avenue or the Jinx Avenue stand. I think it is the Jinx Avenue stand, not the Michael Jinx Avenue stand. Um, and a new TV gantry and pitch improvements are going to be part of this uh, latest phase one of that master plan. So now comes down to money, doesn't it? They're going to be looking for fundraising, funding, applying for grants, government support, and things of that nature. Again, comes down because it's going to be it's going to be costly. I think the overall plan just comes around seventeen point three million. So, no sugar daddy in Sligo. Oh, no sugar daddy in Sligo, indeed. So, 
they might not want to sell it to soul, but raising the price of the season tickets and things like that won't be enough to, to cover the 17.3 million that's going to cost to, to do this uh, entire plan. So they're definitely going to need the help of, of the locals, of course, and the fundraising efforts. But most importantly, grants and government help. It's, 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 that's, just, that's going to be the thing that pushes this over the line. Well, if it actually is a master plan, then they know what they're looking for and they know where they're looking for it. So this uh, this should roll together. If not, uh, Oasis would be good that they used <laughs> such a famous song to roll out their development. Uh, okay, I hope that happens. I hope it works. And I and I want to get down there one day and, and, and get a look at a game. So it'd be no better time when this is all stuck together to get down and watch a game. Um, we talk about the weekend. Football starts really, I suppose, this weekend with the President's Cup, Rovers and Derry. As I said, it's going to give us that little window into, because it's going to be competitive, it's going to give us that little window into what we can expect from these two teams this year. Yeah, looking forward to it. The annual uh, court and raiser. It's just great to have it back, isn't it? Great to have the football back. I get you excited for uh, the Premier Division and the Fourth Division starter back and the Women's National League. They're going to be three highly competitive leagues. As I said, the President's Cup takes place uh, this Friday, the 10th of February, 7.45 kickoff in the Ryan Brackboy Brandywine Stadium. Do we you know why make... it's up there? Yeah, strange one, isn't it? I was Is only it thinking a toss that. of a or what's going on? I don't, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was normally in the home of, of the league winners, not the FBI Cup winners. Yeah, um, yeah, interesting one, that. Look, if you can't make it up to the Brandywell Stadium, it's on LOI TV. Also, didn't talk about that last week, did we? The return yeah. LOI TV. Great to see that service back. Excellent quality. Great to see the season pass return too. You don't have to be restricted to just one club. So it's people like myself and yourself, we, we like to just indulge all of the, uh, the League of Ireland content available. I kind of smile when you say excellent quality. That's not totally true now, Nathan, is it? There's, there's excellent quality within within certain things and, and some of the stadiums, the, 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 it could be better. It was a slip of the tone. I meant to say excellent value for money. <laughs> uh, actually, no, in fairness, while you're talking about that, you would like to see the quality improve of certain aspects, wouldn't you? Of the Aye. camera work, uh, the commentary, especially in certain certain parts. parts uh, certain clubs are absolutely dire. I think they need to get away from the uh, the home team has home commentary. You do, you know, maybe one home, one away in a neutral or something like that. Just just to bring a little bit of a uh, a balance to it. Uh, and yeah. even yeah, at all clubs, not having a pop at anybody. It's just a just a general statement. I think that's something that should, really should be imp- implemented. So yeah, hopefully we see a better um better product in terms of pre match build up and things like that as well. Because really that's that's the whole selling point of it, you know, it's to have a bit of a professional. And I'm guessing the highlights yeah. show is going to still be there. Hopefully. I haven't heard, have you? No, I haven't, I haven't seen heard it. anything well, yet, so that would be an again. interesting one. Really, really enjoyed that. And uh, when they bought it on the road, they had like their own little road show in certain parts of the country. It's just little ideas like that, you know. Really, it's uh, it's different, different different visuals, different voices. Great to see it. So, yeah, delighted to see the return of uh, LOI TV and, of course, uh, the season pass, which is absolutely brilliant for sad acts like us that just take in every match. Every game you can possibly get, yeah. <laughs> but just back to the President's Cup, yeah. Shamrock Rovers and Derry, as we said, these are the two big clubs in the league at the moment. I'm half expecting, and this is just off the back, and I may completely be wrong, but I'm just half expecting Derry, who kind of slightly just missed out, to maybe pip it this year. And the reason why, I just think there's a momentum there. I think there's... I just thought there was a little bit of stuttering by Shamrock Rovers last year. Uh, it'll be interesting because 
Derry are going to have European football and, and, and they're going to probably hope to do better in that and they may go a little bit longer into that. What's your thoughts on it, just off the back of maybe what we've seen last year and maybe who's come in this year? Yeah, so I think of both them have European football. I don't think squad depth, apparently that's going to be an issue for either sides. Um, while neither have been the most prolific in terms of winning in players in the offseason, you know, like Derry City have brought in uh, Colin Whelan from UCD, which we'll come back, maybe actually come back to Colin in a minute. Mm. Uh, Adam O'Reilly from Preston, as I said, was excellent last year. I was saying Pats on loan. Big, big get um, for Derry City. Tyg Ryan, goalkeeper from Bowles. You'd imagine he's just going to be back up to Brian Meyer. Tyg's a really good goalkeeper to have there too. Uh, and Ben Doherty returning to the club, which... Uh, Cameron Dunnigan was probably one of the best. You know, he sort of played centre midfield and left back. I thought he was excellent at left back uh, for Derry last season. So you'd imagine uh, Ben would be there to compete with him to be a regular. And also, one a name that's probably going on the radar a little bit, while he's not a new signing, is uh, the return of Kieran Harkin, who was out with a nasty injury last season. Um, and an absolute, he's been a key figure in that Derry City midfield. So his return could be like a new signing in and of itself as well. And like and then looking at who came in for Shamrock Rovers, they've only made one permanent signing in Brendan Liam Board from Bohemians. Mm. The rest, you know, Johnny Kenny, Trevor Clark and Marcus Palm have all been um, loan uh, moves coming in. So, But Johnny Kenny's a good one, Nathan. It doesn't matter if he's loan or not. He's going to be there. And that's badly a, a position that yeah. Shamrock Rovers needed. You know, they haven't had the firepower. This could, this could give them the edge. Even though I, I'm turning around and saying that I think Derry could could go on and sneak it this year. This could be the one that if if he's injured or or, or stays fit, that could be the difference between them winning or losing the league this year. I think both clubs actually have an interesting um, question mark going around the striking options coming in, into the new season. As you said, Johnny Kenny coming in. They've been crying out for a young central striker. Well, Rory Gaffney's probably coming off the season of his life last year, finishing up as the club's top goal scorer. Um, you know, you have, you have him, uh, Aaron Green will always chip in, but he'll get you five goals, maybe. Graham Bork, another uh, very talented uh, player, probably not really an out-and-out central striker uh, in the Shamrock Rovers team. So I think they will be relying uh, heavily on Johnny Kenny to come in, especially if Rory Gaffney can't pick up the, the form he had last year too. So it's definitely going to be, uh, it is a huge one. And I think looking at Derry City as well, that, that's the main, it's probably the only question they have around Derry coming into the season as they go to, uh, to, to to win the league title is their striking options. You know, we look at Jamie McGonagall who finished up as the club's goal, top goal scorer last year with 11 goals and he was third overall in the entire the Premier Division. But if you're just looking at some of the stats last year, you had the highest amount of shots with uh, 108, uh, 118 shots, which is uh, I said the highest in the in the entire league, but uh, only 11 goals. Where and he waned off a little bit in his performances towards the back end of the season too. Yeah. And then, as I just said, I want to come back to Colin Whelan. He's always someone that myself included. I, I'm not saying I've never done this. I've always highly rated him, highly talked about him. I thought when uh, I actually thought someone, it's a player, Shamrock Rovers, could have went for, you know, a young, prolific central striker. Uh, but more so prolific in the fourth division where he only has four goals and 15 uh, Premier Division appearances. And again, coming off the back of a really nasty injury uh, in 2022, which kept him out for most of the season um, with UCD. So, if you know, we're going to be looking at those two, who are really good options to have. Uh, they sold on the likes of Akintunde and Matty Smith, who probably won't be big losses. You know, they went to Bows and Shells, respectively, and they do well at the new clubs, but, that, like again, not the most prolific um, 
again, Matty Smith has had spells St. Pats and things like that, but you you wouldn't be relying on it to be that consistent 15, 20 yeah. goal a season sort of striker. I think one interesting option for Derry City could be Keane Kavanagh. Now, again, you look at his numbers from last year. Keane came in from Waterford um, midway through the season, only scored six goals uh, between both Waterford and Derry City. But again, 20 years of age, uh, scored a cracking hat trick in pre season against Finn Harps. Big, strong, competitive lad. I think it's, it, it naturally fit into that uh, Derry, system, uh, Derry City system. So he could be an interesting probably a sleeper hit if you're looking at someone to be um, high up in the goal scoring charts. Yeah, I, I I think there was a lot of pressure on McGonagall last year. I mean, he started off flying and then everyone's talking about him, you know, and he was the one who was who was scoring the goals for them. So there was a lot of pressure on him to get the goals and, and he doesn't, he, they need all the players around to start chipping in. You will see that. That's why Rovers were, were so good because the, the goals were coming from all over the place and, and that's where Derry need to to up their game, I suppose. They can't be focusing on one area just to score goals. Everyone needs to chip in in, in, a, in a team that wins a league. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting. And uh, maybe them players maybe them players could be a, a front three that we uh, that we didn't think of that that's going to, you know, start dominating this league. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, before we go on to the fans' question, Nathan, we're going to talk about the Ireland under-21s. They were drawn... Only a few days ago, wasn't it? In the European qualifiers, who did they get? Do you know what? This actually everything seems it's, it's a nice little show where everything's linking in today. Uh, I will give credit to where uh, our regular uh, contributor on the fan questions, Kevin Sheridan. Kevin sent in a question again this week, and it's because of Kevin this is in the show. I didn't know this happened. <laughs> a card on the table, I did not know <laughs> this qualification draw happened until Kevin told me so. Big off to Kevin. There's a job here for you one day, mate. Just, just reach out. <laughs> Send in your CV, big man. Uh, so, yeah, the, uh, Jim Crawford's Ireland under-21s uh, team have been shown their fate for the, the European Championships in 2025. They've been drawn into Group A. And before I start, I will caveat this that it's a, it's a difficult draw. So, look, let's get into it. Ireland, who were uh, in part two for the first time in the history of the under-21s, have been drawn in Group A against Italy, Norway, Turkey, Latvia and San Marino. Yeah, well, well, listen, Italy, we, we, Italy seems to be a standard fixture now in the under-21s, yeah, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, but that doesn't mean that Ireland can't overturn them and, and they're, they're capable of, you know, we've good young players coming through, so I, I'd be, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be unconfident if you want to call it that. I want. I, I think there's there's the likes of Norway and Turkey. Turkey for me, I don't know if it's the senior team or not, but they've always been tricky for us. So I'd be yeah. interested to see. But listen, realistically, what do we know about Norway, Turkey, Latvia, or San Marino in the under twenty ones? We we know that Italy are probably excellent, and San Marino are probably not the best. Latvia, Turkey, and Norway. Any, they could throw anything up but we know for our and it's always been a way when you look at if you want to look at a, a league or a competition that your team is in we know what our team is capable of and we know that this team is capable of doing a lot of things and with the players coming up through the under 17s and, and 19s rank uh, yeah we've we've a chance don't we? Yeah, well, we're very unlucky to not get to the European Championships uh, taking place this summer. Just missed out in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, as you said, look, getting Italy again, who topped their 
uh, Euro 2023 qualifier group uh, beat us twice over that qualifying campaign, uh, 2-0-4-1. But if you look at Norway, I think that might nullify that, uh, Ireland being in part two, getting drawn against Norway or part three, as they were the highest ranked sides uh, in that part. But as you said, look, we can't claim to be connoisseurs of... Um, under 21 football in, in some of the countries that have been drawn out, maybe more so Italy because there's, there's a high number of Italian players actually playing in Serie A and Serie B and things like that, but as you mentioned, there's no reason why we can't be competitive in this group and maybe not top it, but look at the playoffs again because it is that we do have a Richmond's of talent, as you mentioned, coming through the underage system, so I wouldn't be writing this off straight away, but I'd also it would, that's what I just wanted to caveat with, that it is a difficult group, but no reason why we shouldn't be down scraping near the bottom. We should be have ambitions of going again for a, for a player opposition and hopefully getting ourselves into a major tournament at under twenty one level. Absolutely, I always look at it from their point of view and not our point of view. Um, when you look at a group as well like that, if I'm Norway, if I'm Latvia, if I'm Turkey, if I'm Italy, you know you're going to get a good game uh, against Ireland, and you know it's not going to be an easy game. So. Uh, there's good possibilities there and, and, and I'll, be, I'll be looking forward to seeing these results I'll be looking forward to seeing these games because yeah. the players that have come through over the last campaign into the senior setup, I mean there's been numerous of them uh, players coming through like the likes of Evan Ferguson and Smallbone and you know there's probably about Connor Coventry who, who's out on loan now again and getting game time so it'll be interesting to see who the next players are that are going to step up for us you know so uh yeah, brilliant. Looking forward to that. So how does the fan question link up, Nathan? Links up. Here we go. Absolute professionals <laughs> here at the big kickoff. So once again, Kevin Sheridan got a question in to us. Can't fault Kevin. He's always helping us out. So be a legend like Kevin. Get your questions into us at the big kickoff on social media. You can find myself, Nathan Doyle, Roy Shanahan. Get them into us. Absolutely love it. So Kevin's question this week is... Should more key underage and women's international games be played around the country? Because he has, as he says, and as we know, he states that these games are always played in Tala. I just think it'd be nice to see other parts of the country get a look in when it comes to these big fixtures. Yep. Um, it's a simple one for me. It used to happen, Nathan. They used to go down. So they even remember the, the Republic of Ireland B team. I don't know if you remember the B team. They used to go down to Cork, Turner's Cross and play down there. Uh, famous one was against England. Um, but there's stadiums around now that are better than what they were. And there's no reason why they, they shouldn't go around. I wouldn't put them in every stadium around the place. No. There is some, we've discussed stadiums on this show numerous amount of times. We we put up a, a post up on TikTok there the other day about Ordeal Park, which has which boomed with people, you know, commenting on it and uh, discussing it. And it you wouldn't have a game there. It's pure and simple. You just wouldn't have a game there. So you have to look at the stadiums that are fit for purpose. What are they, Nathan? Well, obviously Tally. Tornos Cross, uh, the Ryan McBride, Brandywell Stadium. They're ones that you can just imagine. And it's also, a lot of it has to do with the optics too, doesn't it? If you're promoting something as a League of Ireland ground, to maybe pe- maybe an audience watching an underage uh, game or women's game that aren't necessarily on the fence with the league, and it might go down, it might not. 
And if you have a game in uh, United Park, Oriel Park, uh, up in Finn Harps, uh, and you see it, you go, like, oh, no, I'm not, not going to go down to that. It's, it's a state of facilities. So I think if you have the optics of the three I just mentioned, Tally, uh, Tornos Cross and the Brandywell, I think those three would be the, the main ones for me that would work if you wanted to bring um, bring games. Uh, now, whether they be qualification games or even friendlies around the country, those would be the three ones uh, that came to mind straight away. Yeah, I think so too. I can't think of what other stadiums. Is there? I mean, Galway, it's not the worst stadium, is it? No, it's it's, not, it's no. nice and neat and whatever. So I, I wouldn't say no to Galway either. But And, I, and I'm fairly sure at some stage that they're going to change that stadium. Daly Mount Park will obviously get done up. So once these, te- once these clubs sort out their stadiums and the, the infrastructure around it, then... Yeah, spread spread it around the place, you know. Get the women's games down in Cork or Galway or up in Derry. Uh, you know, why not up in Derry? How, how many games do we play up in Derry? We don't. So they're part of the league. They're part, you know. So why not play them up there? So, yeah, I'd be 100% behind that, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even if you look at it, the proposed plans of... You, most of the new any stadiums are getting redeveloped or new built. A lot of them mention, you know, the opportunity to be able to host concerts and to host underage games and even uh, senior, uh, men's senior friendlies, uh, women's games seems last. So a lot of League of Ireland clubs do mention it in the uh, in the documents when they're talking about uh, redeveloping the ground. So it's obviously an appetite for it and it's something that League of Ireland clubs would like to link up with too. Um, bring some sort of revenue, maybe not even into the club but into the area and, and things like that. So it makes sense for me uh, to, to make it, to not keep it hoped in Tally Stadium, even though we all know Tally's the best grounds in the league by far and it's only going to get better when the fourth stand uh, is introduced during the summer but like you said there's enough we have you know Cork City Derry City even at loan while it's only one stand the stand itself is enough to it's, it's a really it's a visually nice ground it's an uh, astro pitch now though isn't it I think it is an astro pitch now yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not, see that's the thing now. That, so that's where it might change for Derry City you know do you want those games on astro pitches you don't really so do you rule Derry City back out again? Because I'd be ruled. I think I'd rule it. I, I just totally forgot about it there. Is that uh, that being a factor? But that would be a factor for me ruling out a, an Astro pitch. So yeah, look at Sligo. Sligo have a grass pitch, don't they? So yeah. you know they're gonna they're building the their stadium as we discussed earlier on in the show. So there you go. If if Sligo can do it, why can't Derry do it? Why can't uh, Finn Harps do it why can't go go we do do it they have grass as well so you have to ask that question so maybe if they want to have them international you're going to have to have that grass pitch yeah I think so it's, um, it's definitely it's a controversial when you hear a lot of coaches even you would have talked to coaches for the coaches corner and we've had coaches on uh, on the show numerous of times uh, complaining about the, the substantial amount of injuries picked up on you know 3D pitches or astro pitches and things like that. So, if you're and even if you're a club manager and you see a player going off with their underage international team or their women's international team, and you pick up a, a nasty injury on an astro pitch, that's yeah, it, it just I think it causes more headaches than anything else. Absolutely. Okay, uh, I think we were firmly behind it again. If you look at if I'm playing for Ireland, I'm playing in Tala one time, and then I'm going to Cork the next game, and then I'm going up to Derry the next time. Is there that continuity of playing at home? Yeah, you can understand that. But then again, you do see the England team going around sometimes uh, around the country and playing these games. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd be the same if, if it was uh, the senior team, even if it was um, 
bigger stadiums. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's good for the the fifty or the the underage teams, the nineteens, the twenty ones, uh, the women's team. I'm not so sure with the women's team. It depends, and again, on the stadium and 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 the the Cork City would be fine at the moment, wouldn't it? Cork City would be, be great yeah. down there. So, oh yeah, Cork for me is behind Tallah Stadium and we're ranking uh, League of Ireland ground. So they even put that ahead of um, of the Brandywell Stadium at the minute. But as well, I think if you're, like, like we said, but making a, you know not not a road show, but bringing it around different aspects of the country, you'll have somebody from Cork and the Penny game and Tal- in Tornos mm. Cross. That is the home stadium to them. So there's that aspect of it too, as well, isn't it? That not everybody representing Ireland is based in around Dublin. So to give these underage lads the opportunity to play at home, whether that be in Cork, Galway, Derry, whatever it may be. I think if you're the manager, the pitch is a big thing. The size of the pitch is a big thing. So you would have to be discussing, well, hold on, I don't know, maybe Cork City, Tornus Cross, that pitch is is not big enough for me, or for our team. It's not what we play on and we will actually lose an advantage. So maybe for, for, for that issue, maybe that would be something. So I think there's a lot of discussions around it. If it's possible to do it, though, I think we're both in agreement that uh, we should get them out there and uh, get the fans more interested in, to, in our, our, our younger players and I think it would be great for everyone okay uh, we're going to leave it there thanks again for everyone who has been sending in questions the last couple of weeks uh, don't forget to interact with us again we're on TikTok we're on Facebook Twitter it's, far, it's hard, getting hard to remember all these now isn't it? Can, <laughs> uh, <laughs> going to be yeah, well, be well, for me to come back, I'll jump on that as well. The big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com. Listen, send us in whatever you can send in, topics, whatever you can send us in, do send it in to us. We'll discuss it. Uh, and we're, we're delighted that you are listening. Okay, Nathan, as always, thanks very much.